We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host, Nick Filato. And it's been a busy week for the Big Blue Banter podcast. We want to kind of recap some of the work we've done, some of the work we will continue to do, and some of what's ahead before we break down what's going to happen tonight. For those of you who missed it last week, I would shout out two specific podcasts that are 100% worth your time, and all of our podcasts we hope are worth your time, but two that I really want to shout out is our interview with Eric Crocker, former NFL defensive back, broke down the wide receiver class, the cornerback class, Darnay Holmes, but more importantly, I think the two biggest takeaways there were one, what you should be looking for when you're scouting the wide receiver position in something that is often missed in his mind by big draft media when it comes to scouting the wide receiver position and how that's kind of led him to not only thinking there is a false narrative when it comes to a player like Devontae Smith, for example, who is his wide receiver one in this class. And that false narrative is that you got to be big to beat press coverage. In his mind, it's actually the opposite. And he gets more into that, but also a wide receiver who is not being talked up about much. Even me and Nick didn't do a profile on him. And I've recently been watching a lot of him because I want to see you know, what I missed or, you know, what didn't stand out. And it's a player who he believes could be a top 10, top 15 talent if he was on a different college team and in a different college system. And that's Siami Brown, the wide receiver from UNC. So if you want to find out more about them, listen to that. And then check out our podcast with Elliot Christ of FTN. I mean, I think that was a lot of fun. I got a lot of positive feedback from people, friends and family, of course, who, what are they going to tell me, right? They're going to tell me only, <laughs> only good things, I'm sure. But they did really like that one. And that one apparently was what they think like our podcast should evolve a bit more into. So if you enjoyed that, hearing a podcast from Elliot, which was on draft bets, prop bets, the Giants market at pick 11, what the odds are saying, things of that nature, how to be a better sports gambler, let us know in the feedback and we can do more of that stuff in the future. But on tonight's show, we are going to do a full 
32 pick first round mock draft we are acting as the gm of that team we are going to pick these players based on what we think will happen not based on what we would do so please keep that in mind this is what we think will happen not what we would do if we were the gm and before any of that there's still some promotion i gotta do baby because we just put up a youtube page everyone on here who has shouted out me or nick privately or otherwise and told us we need to get a youtube page going well now we did and our first two videos they were similar to our podcast but our third video thanks to mr nick filato over here was a all 22 film breakdown of northwestern offensive tackle prospect rashawn slater this was incredible work it's a preview of what you're going to get during the regular season for the all 22 giants film breakdowns it's a preview of what you're going to get after the draft when we know who the giants actually took Please, please, if you said you wanted this type of content, please do us a favor. Head over to YouTube. I know my old plea used to be go on iTunes, leave a five-star review and a rating, and we'll answer your questions. My new plea is please don't worry about iTunes. I'm going to let you guys off and have a break on iTunes. Please head over to the Big Blue Banter YouTube page. Hit subscribe. Hit like on a few videos. Give him a shot. Watch Nick's film review of Rashawn Slater. But please, more so than anything else, subscribe to that channel, watch those videos, help us grow that thing because it's really in its baby stages. Like This is even, this is reminds me of maybe the first month or two of Big Blue Banter back in the day when I first started this with Turchin. So help us grow that, help us get that going. The rest of the promotion I'll save for the end of the show. But before we get into the mock draft, Nick, I am going to start us off on a little bit of a different note. And this is a long-winded intro, so I'm happy to finally be wrapping this up in a second. Nick Filato never watched game of thrones in his entire life (laughs) through all of the hype he managed to not only not watch it but avoid all spoilers so i am not making a wild guess here and assuming that most of you or at least a good portion of you who are listening to the show were big time game of thrones fans because it swept the nation but nick found a way to not watch and avoid all spoilers and now tonight he let me know that he just watched unspoiled no idea it was coming the red wedding so by the way i apologize to any of you who haven't seen the show yikes i may have just dropped the spoiler but to be honest with you at this point i'm not a big fan of like i think spoilers have shelf life so i think if it's been this long since a show's been said i just am not big on like sopranos people oh you can't say you can talk about sopranos now it's not a spoiler anymore and i feel like thrones is in there but nick how are you doing tonight and and let us know how you felt after watching that absolute massacre honestly just because i'm in the same spot as a lot of people there could be people listening to this that have watched the episode i'm not going to say anything about that episode other than wow that's all (laughs) i'm going to say people who have seen it will know exactly what i'm referencing to i'm absolutely mind blown i respect that to not because i do know you you hate spoilers and i get it i'm with you it's better to not have it's the better the surprise the better it is. But let me ask you a non-spoiler-free question then about Thrones and your viewing experience so far. Through episode 9 of season 3, so what is that? That's about 35-40% of the series. Give me your power rankings of your three favorite characters and your mm. three most hated. I'm not going to make you do five. Give me top three, bottom three. I don't really have a bottom three. Okay. Uh, I guess like you would just say uh, Tywin, maybe. Ooh. Uh, but his like he's the actor is so good. Yeah. My top three... You know, I, I like, like Jon Snow. Arya's cool. I like the Hound. Okay. Ooh, he, Hound in the top three. I like he's, that He's call. up there. I don't really have a top three. I'm being okay. put on the spot at the moment. I, think, <laughs> I like Jamie. I think he's cool. Uh, and then uh, Danny. Daenerys. Oh, yeah. yeah Daenerys yeah, Targaryen. Yeah. And, uh, oh, who's the... Jorah. Oh, Jorah. Big, nice. Big Jorah fan. I think yeah. he has one of the coolest voices in the realm. He does have a pretty cool voice in the yeah. realm. And I remember when Thrones was at its height, people were doing impressions, and the Jorah impression that this guy did was spot on. He's, yeah. got a, he's got a great cadence and a great voice. But yeah, Nick is diving into the world of Game of Thrones, which I find so fun because 
man, I love, love, love that show for a while. I was deep into it. I was reading the backstories, the histories of the of the realm. I personally hated the ending, which we can get to another time later once Nick actually goes through it. But in general, what a show. All right, let's get to this mock draft tonight because we felt like it's time to do a one-round mock draft. We've done our full seven-round Giants mock draft. And one more time for the fans in the back, if you want to watch or find out who we mocked to the Giants in our full seven-round Giants-only mock draft, you got to head to the YouTube page. Head to YouTube.com, type in Big Blue Banter, you'll see our logo, hit subscribe, hit the video that says 7 Round Giants Only Mock Draft, and you'll find out all our picks for the Giants. Tonight, we're going to make one pick for the Giants and 31 picks for other teams, and we're going to start at number one overall with Nick Filato on the clock. He is now the Jaguars general manager. He is not, it's not, I'm sorry, it's not you, Nick, just to keep in mind. You are acting as the brain trust right now, which is, what, Urban Meyer and Trent Baalke, the old 49ers GM. So that's your – put yourself in the mind of them, and who are you taking at number one overall? I mean, it's – this is definitely (laughs) not one to overthink. It's Trevor Lawrence, quarterback out of Clemson. He's been the golden child coming out of college football since his true freshman year at Clemson. So you just don't even overthink it. And I know the last couple weeks we've been hearing, oh, is Zach Wilson really – no, it's all just bullshit. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence. Lock it in. That's what I think you're I think you're spot on. I think that's what they'll do. And at number two, I'm not gonna waste any time either. The Jets won't trade the pick I have, the Jets sitting there, and I think Joe Douglas will go with Zach Wilson. That's the player he wants there. So now you're back on the board here at number three overall, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, San Francisco 49ers. You traded up for this pick, Nick. Where do you think they're gonna go after all the talk that we've heard on this pick? So they traded up, and you keep hearing Mac Jones, Mac Jones from all these people who are plugged in. As much as I love Justin Fields and some of these other quarterbacks, I think it's going to be Mac Jones, man. I do. I don't think Kyle Shanahan gives a crap what draft Twitter uh, feels, and it seems like if this is the guy that he has circled and he traded up for him, I'm not going to sit there and question one of the smartest uh, offensive minds in football. So, you know, hopefully it works out for him, to be honest, someone who could stay within structure, and I think that's what they value, somebody who, you know, is not going to have the – Ability to extend plays like a Justin Fields. He's not as dynamic as someone like Trey Lance, who I'm not ruling out, to be honest, because this whole Mac Jones thing could just be bullcrap. But right now I'm going to go with Mac Jones because mm-hmm. I honestly looked at Trey Lance when this trade was made. I thought it was going to be for him because I felt like he played in that you know pro-style system. You know right. He made the calls at the line of scrimmage. He made his own protections, did all those things. Everybody talks about North Dakota State's offense a lot because it gives – the quarterback a lot of responsibility he was 19 he's only played in, i think he's played in the same amount of games or started the same amount of games as mac jones no one really talks about that because he yeah. only played in, against central arkansas in 2020 because he's an fcs school but the fact that they have that system where it's run heavy and it's first read first read's not there get the football out of your hands check it down to the fullback in the flat they really love the implementing the fullback similar to what San Francisco does what Kyle used check. And just the upside of Trey Lance is awesome. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, I think I'm going to go kind of boring here and go with Mac Jones. There's just a lot of hype there, and I'm not an insider, so I'm not 100% sure what they're going to do. Wouldn't be shocked if it's Trey, though. Yeah, I mean, those odds now on Mac Jones have dropped to minus 180. He is now evolving into a not heavy favorite, but a pretty solid favorite to be this number three overall pick. I think ultimately what happened is they made the trade up to three, thinking we're going to take Mac Jones. Then they did their due diligence, and they said, we'll look at all of these players, and we'll take a look and reconsider maybe going with another quarterback. But ultimately, I think you're right, Nick. I think they're going to settle on Mac Jones. So now with the fourth pick overall... And I think in our mock right here, we're going to do no trades. Is that right? I think it's just the safer way to do this thing. So in our mock here at the fourth overall pick, there's been a lot of speculation. The Falcons will go with Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. That speculation is driven by new head coach Arthur Smith, 
who has in the past run a lot of 12 personnel with two tight ends, but also in the past has done so with unheralded players at the tight end position that he's made into producers. So I'm not going with that route. I'm going with the route of the Falcons are a defense that's multiple, multiple years away from competing. The Falcons, even though they did rework that Matt Ryan deal, and even though they did recently, just a couple years ago or last year, I think, re-sign Julio Jones. With all that said, I'm going with the belief here that they are a franchise wise enough to understand they might not be in a position like this anytime soon to draft a potential future franchise quarterback with a top five pick. And for that matter, I'm going to go here with Trey Lance, the quarterback who makes a lot more sense even for the Falcons because they do have Matt Ryan and he can sit and learn behind Ryan and they have been building up their offensive line in previous years recent as most as recently as taking two first round offensive linemen in a I believe two drafts ago so I like Atlanta there for Trey Lance you're on the clock now you're Duke Tobin the Cincinnati Bengals decision maker who are you taking at five overall Duke Tobin that's a that's a unique name right there yeah, it is yeah and who they, they went with Caleb McGarry I remember because McGarry uh, and Lindstrom were there yeah the kid from Boston College yeah honestly I liked Lindstrom in that draft but I thought both those guys were pretty Overrated. massive reaches like Caleb McGarry especially and I got to meet him at the oh, senior the bowl line. and he was like a really cool guy really personable and everything like that but I always I thought he was like a fourth round guy and mm-hmm. when I heard he got drafted in the first round I was like Eef. yeah it's it seems like neither have played that well either yeah no not great but so this is where it gets interesting with the Cincinnati Bengals too yes. a lot of people think I guess the draft somewhat starts at the uh, at the fourth pick with the Falcons you know but uh, I mean I don't think the third pick's certain yet but then you got the Bengals because I think they can go one of two directions you need to go Penny Sewell. Rashawn Slater, you can throw him in there. Offensive tackle to help Joe Burrow because you can't have Bobby Hart as your starting offensive tackle. It's not something that's going to happen. I don't even believe he's there anymore. That offensive line needs massive rehaul there. They had the kid that they drafted out of uh, Alabama, I believe, a few years ago, who is a solid player. I want to say he basically had a redshirt year when they first took him. That's Jonah Williams. And other than that, they bring in Riley Reef. He's been hit or miss. You have guys like Trey Hopkins, Michael Jordan, and Quentin Spain on your offensive line. But then you have the Jamar Chase factor, man. And you know Joe Burrow is probably pounding the table to be reunited with his former college teammate where they dominated college football. So I think it could be really, really fascinating. And I'm usually offensive line over receiver. But for this, I'm going to go a little bit chaotic. I'm going to have the Joe Burrow factor really lend himself towards going after his receiver that he knows so well and has such a good rapport with. And then they'll worry about the tackle position later. So I'm going to go with Jamar Chase. Wide receiver, LSU. So just to recap so far, we've got Trevor Lawrence, number one overall to the Jaguars. Zach Wilson, number two overall to the Jets. Mac Jones, number three overall to the 49ers. Trey Lance, number four overall, the quarterback out of NDSU to the Falcons. And then Jamar Chase, the wide receiver from LSU to the Bengals. And I'm on the clock here at number six overall with Miami Dolphins. I think ultimately... It's pretty well known at this point that the Dolphins made the decision to trade down from their original pick at three and then all the way back up within a matter of minutes, it seemed like, to six because they want to get one of these top playmakers in this draft. Having said that, their offensive line currently looks like this. Austin Jackson at left tackle they took last year in the first round was better than expected, I think. Well, at least for those of us like me and you who saw bad tape and weren't big fans. Eric Flowers at left guard, who they paid a lot of money to play left guard. He's been okay there, I guess. Yeah, okay is a... 
It's a stretch in my opinion. I remember everyone told me like, yeah, you know, he's like a pretty good tackle with 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 Washington. And then I went and I guard, watched his guard, yeah, yeah guard. And then I went and I watched his film. I was like, no, he's not. He's just, <laughs> he's, just a, he's just a big guy. Like, yeah, it can just work. Not sometimes. not as exposed. Right, not as exposed though. That when he's not on an island. Um, then Matt Skira at center was okay player. Solomon Kinley that seems like a hole to me at right guard. And then Robert Hunt, who was their second round pick last year, who they like at right tackle. So I don't think it's out of the realm for them to to just sit here and take Sewell and just be like, we'll take Penny Sewell or we'll take Rashawn Slater here. But I think ultimately it just seems so much more likely they did this move to get a top playmaker. And so in this spot with Mike Jacecki already on the roster, I think they're actually going to pair up one of these two Alabama receivers, now that Jamar Chase is off the board, with Tua Tagovailoa. Now, who will that be is the question mark here. And I think... Ultimately, I'm going to go with Jalen Waddle as the pick. I think that just based on the regime that is over there in Miami, I think they're going to value his speed, what that can mean for their offensive system, what that can mean for who's calling, you know, what that can mean for Tua, what can mean for who's calling the plays. Although Tua obviously had, you know, good work with Devontae Smith as well. I just think ultimately Jalen Waddle's calling card is a little bit more coveted by NFL teams. So that's my pick at six. You're back on the clock with the Lions at seven. Yeah, so we got the Detroit Lions here. Defense was a mess last year, but there's so many offensive players that are still on the board. I mean, we have a Kyle Pitts falling right here, which is kind of ridiculous. We still have Penny Sewell. You still have Rashawn Slater. You look at the Lions depth chart. You have Taylor Decker, the kid they drafted in the first round, 2016, out of Ohio State. Very solid left tackle. And then on the right side, you have Terrell Crosby, the kid out of Oregon. They got in like the fifth round who fell in that draft, who's respectable. They brought in Halepuli yeah. Vitae Vitae from the Philadelphia Eagles last offseason for way too much money, which I never really understood. Mm-hmm. But now this is a new regime, and I think they're going to want to protect Jared Goff because that's what you have to do if you're going to maximize Jared Goff. I think they can easily go quarterback here, but with the slide of one of these offensive linemen, I'm actually probably going to go with Penne Sewell here. Okay. I think I like that call a lot right there with the Lions, and I think that a lot of people have made the mistake of saying the Lions will go with one of the receivers here. I don't think that's going to happen. If you read the transcript from the Lions GM when he took the job coming over from from, from Los Angeles, he one thing he specifically pointed out, and they don't give away much in these opening GM press conferences, but sometimes they drop important lines. Gettleman dropped them when he talked about importance of him of stopping the run and running the football and then he went on to make decisions based on that this gm said we did something very unique in los angeles with the rams and how we crafted a wide receiver core it was unique in what we looked for he said in the draft and it was unique in when we took them and if you look at that they did not draft any first round receivers there they took a lot of mid second third fourth round receivers there in los angeles i think that's going to be his same strategy in detroit especially after letting Kenny Galladay go. I, I think this is spot on by you. They are not going to... A lot of people talk this up as a potential team to steal one of the potential Bama weapons from the Giants. I do not see that at all. So I think this is the right pick here. Um, and now I'm on the clock here with Carolina, which to me is one of the most interesting teams in the entire top 10. I'm very happy I was lucky enough to draw them in this mock draft because I think this is an interesting spot for a lot of reasons. In my opinion, this would come down to two players here for them. These are going to make the pick that... Ultimately, I'm going to go with So I don't want to tease it. Let me first start by backing it up a little and walking this back. I think they're in play for a quarterback, Justin Fields, here. Because everything, one way you can look at it is no way they're not going to take a quarterback. They just traded for Sam Darnold. They'll pick up his option. They already are paying Teddy. Or you could look at it like they've been insanely aggressive since Tepper took over as owner in trying to find quarterbacks. 
and they have a more analytics-based approach, which would suggest to me they understand the importance of you got to have a quarterback or none of this matters. And so they took a swing on Teddy. It didn't work out how maybe they planned. They immediately took a swing on Sam. It's not like they took off a season for quarterback and they took off an offseason. I think this is a franchise that at all times is going to be looking at a potential future quarterback. Ultimately, I'm not going to have them take Fields here because I don't think they're going to view Fields specifically as that quarterback. I think I'm going to go here with Rashawn Slater, the offensive tackle, out of out of Northwestern. I think it makes too much sense for them if they're going to try to build around Sam Darnold and give him a shot. Then you're going to have Little. You're going to have Taylor Moten. Little can kind of be that new swing tackle, maybe kick inside a guard like some suggested he would have to. You put Slater right in there at left tackle. He fits in really nicely, in my opinion. You still have Matt Paradise there. You still have Dennis Daly on the inside. Pat Eiffel. These are decent players. They still need to improve their interior, in my mind. But they also need to improve that second tackle position. And there's still enough on that offensive line that needs to be improved where I don't think they can pass up a player like Slater here. So that's my pick there at eight. Nice, nice. And I look at this now. We've got the Denver Broncos sitting here at nine. Yes. And I think they're happy because Justin Fields falls to this pick. I'm not 100% sure if John Elway is going to look at Justin Fields and be like, hey, that's the quarterback I want. But I am 100% sure that they look at Drew Locke and say, we need to upgrade from this position. There's a ton of value on the boards right now, though. Right. You have Kyle Pitts, but they drafted Albert O last year in the fourth round. And they drafted. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Noah Font a couple years ago in the first round. So you have the tight end position secure. You look at these wide receivers. You drafted Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler last year. You're probably not going to invest in the wide receiver position. You brought in Kyle Fuller, I believe it was, from the Chicago Bears after they released him. So the cornerback room after they released AJ Boye kind of leads you to be like, yeah, maybe they'll go with someone like a Patrick Sertain. But you have Kyle Fuller there. And then you had you bring in Ronald Darby to play your nickelback. You also have guys like uh, Bryce Callahan, who was injured last year but was a solid player. So the cornerback position, I think they could upgrade, but I'm not going to go with Sertain. I'm going to go with Justin Fields, quarterback, and call it quits there. Just uh, all five quarterbacks are now off the board before the Giants. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. 
Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Wow. This would be a pretty good start for the Giants, I think, as we move forward to the 10th pick and the last and final pick before the Giants, which is the Dallas Cowboys. And here in this spot... I think in a lot of scenarios here, the Dallas Cowboys would go with Patrick Sertan or J.C. Horn. I'm not quite sure who in their scout room they view as the cornerback one. I think that's a question that every team will have a different answer on when it comes to Horn versus Sertan. And honestly, I think some people might even have Newsom up there with them or number one with them. I know we had uh, Eric Crocker on, and when he broke down this class, he had Sertan third of those three. In his mind, from the film he saw, he's seen, Sertan is his third corner. So I don't think it's going to be a certain lock here that if they went cornerback, they would go with Sertan. But the Cowboys are also a team that proved last year that they are not going to pass up on value. If they think they're getting, let's say, the second or third best player in this draft class at 10 overall, they're going to take that play, especially if they think that the two teams after them who are in the division could potentially take that player based on their team needs and then they'd have to match up against that second and third best player and all they had to do to avoid that was take that best player in that second they're gonna do it so i'm gonna go with kyle pitts here the tight end i know it seems crazy given how bad their defense was and given the weapons they have but ultimately it will allow them a scenario where they can get out of the cooper contract they can get out of the zeke contract and get the cap hits back there they can consider either offering Michael Gallup a team-friendly deal, or even letting him walk and just having CeeDee Lamb and Kyle Pitts as your main two offensive weapons under contract for the next four years, including this one. Four years and you consider the team control for CeeDee Lamb, and then a fifth year for Kyle Pitts. So it gives them a really good spot for their future, I think, at the skill position. They can kind of punt it and start to address that defense next offseason. It will put them in a weird spot this year because I know they're expecting to compete for a Super Bowl after re-signing Dak. And like, if you draft Kyle Pitts and you don't add a defensive player until 40 overall, or I'm sorry, until you pick again at 41 overall, whenever they pick, it's a tough spot. Your defense may not see many major improvement at all. I mean, all they did really was sign Keanu Neal this offseason. They lost corners. They lost depth on the defensive line. Alvin Smith is gone, who actually was one of their biggest contributors somehow last year. And they still have that injury-prone linebacker. Like, it's a risky pick, but I just think the value's there, and they're going to take pits. It's going to be Big 12 football for them. <laughs> Literally, it's going to be, we're going to score 45 points. You guys need to score 46 to beat us because their yeah. defense would be horrendous. I think Dan Quinn is going to help right the ship there because Mike Nolan was just in way over his head. Yes. Like, like, they didn't even know how to execute a run fit. It was insane. <laughs> and then by week three, the locker room was, like, falling apart. It's like, that's a freaking mess over there. Yeah. Like, that, that's horrendous. But having Kyle Pitts fall all the way there, that's, that. like, I don't see a path to where Jerry Jones is going to allow Kyle Pitts to go to the Giants, whereas if, if he's available there for the Dallas Cowboys, I just don't see him doing that. Now we're at the Giants, man. And recap, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Penny Sewell, Rashawn Slater, Justin Fields, Kyle Pitts off the board. So now we have that's the 11th pick. There's Devonta Smith, Elijah Vera Tucker, any of the edges. They're all still around. Both the top tackles are off the board. The star tight ends off the board, five quarterbacks, and then Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle. So what are you thinking, man? Because this is well, we're gonna we're gonna make a group selection for the Giants. Yes. And again, remember, this is not what I'm thinking or what Nick is thinking. None of these picks have been. This is what we would do. What we're thinking would happen if we were if from that GM's perspective. So this is us thinking in Dave Gettleman mind. So if I if we were Dave Gettleman right now and the board fell like this, 
I'm going to stick with the prediction I made, Nick, early January. I just think it's going to come true. I think they're going to take Devontae Smith here at 11 overall. He checks so many Gettleman boxes. It will be tempting for them, I think, to take Patrick Sertan, who I know they love based on the system that they play and how just a cookie-cutter fit there. But they did sign a Dory Jackson. It's going to be tempting for them to take, honestly, from what I've been reading, they like Quiddy Pay a lot. They like, you know, potentially Aziz Ojolari, but more so I've been reading about Pay. I think they'll probably be tempted to do that as well because, again, like you said, I mean, this would be what is this? The, this would be the first defensive player off the board in our mock so far. There's zero defensive players taken in the top 10 picks. And honestly, like, I don't <laughs> think that's ridiculous. No. Like, I think it's more ridiculous to think a defensive player will go. And I mean, except for the corners, I don't think any it's, defensive player really is going to go. In it's it. the corners because yeah. the Micah Parsons, he's he's kind of an enigma. We're not really a hundred percent sure. It right. seems like you know, just from what we hear from people who have more connections than we do, that people are concerned about him, mm-hmm. and he may be in for a slide. But and he's an off-ball linebacker, so you would exactly. need none of that to be considered in the top ten for the position he plays. Mm-hmm. So, like for me, it's Patrick Sertan or J.C. Horn yes. with Caleb Farley's back injuries that everyone seems to be really right. concerned about as well. And Newsom has the injuries as well. Yes. Yeah, so, and uh, it's really interesting, but for me, I'm going to go with Devonta Smith as well, so I think we're in lockstep yeah, here. Yeah, that's how they And honestly, do like, like what what would you do in this situation? We could play that right, game we as well. play that game as well. No trading back. I would be fine with Devonta Smith here. It would be my pick here. Yeah, honestly. That would be my pick. I'd take him over Vera Tucker. I'd take him over any of those edges for Vera, sure. Vera Tucker's an interesting one. Yeah. Because no one's really linked him to the Giants as much. And you hear a little bit about more about it now. But he's a very talented player with that positional versatility mm-hmm. who has good tape at guard and tackle. And I'm not really 100% sure why we don't talk about him a little bit more like in a linkage to the Giants. Maybe it's just because his upside's not as high as the other two. That's probably why. But technically, he's he's a good player. And yeah. I haven't watched his tape in a while. But from what I remember, I came away pleased with his evaluation. At least from my evaluation of him and from where i see it projection wise i see less of a ceiling for him at offensive tackle projection wise i see a big ceiling at offensive tackle for slater and for seal Mm -hmm. and i know everybody's like oh but you're gonna put him at guard i'm not necessarily putting these guys at guard i'm not the biggest believer that matt pert's gonna be some all pro guard for the giant i'm sorry all pro tackle and if i can get myself an all pro tackle like i think rashawn slater will be like i think penny sewell will be I don't feel that Vera Tucker can def- will definitely be an all-pro tackle. Yeah. I think he probably has some upside to be all-pro around that at guard. But I'm not. If I'm swinging at 11 at an offensive lineman, I actually want that tackle. Like everybody looks at this Slater pick differently than I do. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it's also the standpoint. it's also the the depth of the interior offensive yes. line class. There's more interior offensive linemen that can be had on day two and even into day three. Whereas Devonta Smith is kind of there. This is a good wide receiver class. Don't get me wrong, but it's kind of like that top tier. You have Jamar Chase, you have Jalen Waddle, you have Devonta Smith. Then there's a little bit of drop off to the Rashad yes. Batemans of the world, and then you get into like the little more gadget type players like Darius Tony and Rondell Moore. So, but for the Giants, Devonta Smith here checks all the boxes of what the Giants are gonna like, and I just think he can. Him and Kenny Galladay would be a really dynamic one-two combo for whatever whoever is being the quarterback for the Giants. Hopefully it's Daniel Jones, right. but we'll see what happens in the future. So we're going to lock in Devonta Smith here at 11. Yeah, and just to double back on the Slater thing, I'm really, really high on, on, on Rajon Slater. And I think when you look at like Slater versus Fair Tucker, right, because we're all locking in Sewell as like the number one, let's say, in this, because obviously he has so much upside. It's ridiculous, yeah. But I think Slater has... The foot, the footwork that Slater has, and how quick he is, and light and nimble he is on his feet, and how well he moves—that I don't see from as many of these props. I don't really see that from anyone but him and Sewell. So it's like that's really what it is for me. It's that footwork. So fast, it's that elite yeah. trait. I think the Vera Tucker is a good player, but I'm, if I'm not getting that elite trait, I don't or an elite trait that I think can can translate not only to guard but tackle. 
Mm-hmm. I'm just not as enthused at 11, especially when I could be taking who I think is a blue Smith, uh, sorry, a blue chip prospect in Devontae Smith. No, and I think that's completely fair of you to say. And here we are going at 12, still no defensive players taken. Am I on the clock or you're on the clock? Uh, you're up. I'm on the clock. Now, and yes. so with this pick, ultimately, I don't get to see out what I predicted earlier than I even predicted the Dante Smith thing. I predicted this, I think, the the day the Eagles punted. I predicted they will not draft one of these top receivers. And now we're not going to get to see it because they're all off the board, including Pitts. But I knew for a fact they weren't going receiver back-to-back first rounds, especially after using a second round. That's not how Howie Roseman builds. But how he will build here is defensively. And I think he's going to go with J.C. Horn as the first corner off the board. You can still get J.C. Horn I think plus 450 now to be the first defensive, the first corner drafted. Or no, sorry, the first defensive player drafted. Those odds are less for the first corner drafted if you want to make a bet on this and believe in that I might be right in this mock draft, that me and Nick might be right. But who knows, because mocks are impossible to do. But we're trying our best here. But ultimately, I think there's still value there. I think J.C. Horn is going to be a player that NFL teams like a lot more than the original NFL media liked because he can be that lockdown man coverage corner. And like... Eric Crocker said on our podcast, I mean, he sold me when he said it, Nick, when he told us. He's like, he's a dog. You look at him out there, and every single game, he wants to play, go up against in one-on-one coverage against the best receiver. He said, even when that meant going into the slot, something he wasn't comfortable with doing, something his body type doesn't suggest he should be doing, against Elijah Moore and Ole Miss, he did that. And Moore had to fight for, scrap for every yard. He had like six, seven catches with no yards. So, yeah, with minimal yards. So, that's my pick there, Horn. And now you're back on the clock here, Nick, and you will be drafting for the Los Angeles Chargers at number 13 overall. Yeah, so the Chargers, I find them to be interesting as well yeah, because I think there's a lot of different directions they can go in. They could go with an edge, even though they got Joey Bosa, but they lost Melvin Ingram. They could go with a cornerback. I think retaining Michael Davis was actually a huge move by them. He was a low-key free agent that I wanted the Giants to target, and he's actually a really solid player for them that I believe they got as like a undrafted guy or a late pick in like 2017 and he kind of blossomed into a nice role in 2020 interesting they get chris harris as well he's their nickelback he was injured a lot last year but he's getting a little bit longer the two so i think patrick certain is a guy to definitely consider here but i'm gonna go with the off- an offensive lineman here because i think you have to be able to protect justin herbert their offensive line brian balaga was hurt a lot last year they bring in cory lindsley from green bay to play center i think that was a huge move by them but i still think they should invest in the offensive line because ode abushi at left guard that's not something that's going to inspire any hope whatsoever right. so for me i'm going with elijah vera tucker here okay. and i kind of think like this was this could be a realistic landing spot yeah. for a player like elijah vera tucker and he could slide right into that left guard position and if trey pipkins did end up struck uh, struggling, which I, I don't, I'm not 100 percent sure on how good he's been since he's come into the league in 2019. I'm pretty sure he's actually exceeded some people's expectations, but you still have that ability to possibly move Vera Tucker to a tackle spot if there is some struggles there because he has that within his repertoire as well. So I'm gonna go with Elijah. I like that call a lot, and I think that could very likely be the case. And now with the Vikings on the board at number 14 overall, I think they can go in a number of directions too. I think they'll certainly be eyeing offensive line because right now their tackle situation outside of Brian O'Neill is not pretty at all. And they need to figure out something there because it looks like they're moving their second round pick Ezra Cleveland. They're going to keep him on the inside. You got Garrett Bradbury, who they took in 2019 in the first round. I get they're going to keep him on the inside, I would think. 
So they, it's an ugly situation on the offensive line. So I think they'll be eyeing Christian Darrisaw. I think they'll be eyeing Tevin Jenkins here. But I don't think they're going to be able to pass up on replenishing what's so important to Mike Zimmer's system, and that's the defensive line position. And they already signed Alvin Tomlinson, but outside of Tomlinson, with what's happened there, I mean, they took a swing on Yannick Ngakwe. They wanted him to be there. That shows how much they wanted to improve edge. It didn't work out. He wasn't the only guy they let go. Everson Griffin. Was, used to be one of their best pass rushers. He's gone. So now really all that's left is Danil Hunter there. And then they have a bunch of other guys, Stephen Weatherly, Jalen Holmes, guys who haven't made much of an impact. So I think here they get their chance to get the edge they want. And I think for this 4-3 system, actually, I'm actually going to give them Quiddy Pay here. I think Quiddy Pay to me, makes the most sense here as their defensive end pick, as their edge pick. And I think he will ultimately be the first edge off the board if it falls like this. That would be really interesting, too. Quiddy Pay going to... I, I Honestly, I look at like Gregory Rousseau would fit there. I think Jalen... Mm-hmm. Like, I honestly think Rousseau's whoever nice. Mike Zimmer wants, he can find a way to make him fit. But yes. Quiddy Pay would definitely uh, be, a, be a wise investment there. Like I say about Quiddy Pay, I, I'm not low... I, I don't not like the player. I just believe there's going to be better players available at 11 for the yes. Giants. Like, I think he's going to be a good player, high floor, but I don't know how high that ceiling is. Whereas the there's same, other man. players that I feel like have higher ceilings who can help the Giants in a... Uh, more impactful way, especially early on. That's, yeah. my, that's my whole thing with Quiddy Pay. But like now, we're on to the New England Patriots. And this is this is interesting because, obviously, they had their down year last year. Bill Belichick just watched Tom Brady hoist the Lombardi Trophy without him. So <laughs> he, he's getting all these COVID opt-outs back. So you're getting a lot of guys returning to your defense. You bring back Kyle Van Noy. You add Matt Judon in free agency, which was a huge addition for them. Because I was thinking about going possibly edge here. I was actually thinking about Quiddy Pay, to mm. be honest, because he fits a lot of the character does, type yeah. of things that the New England Patriots look for as well. But I'm not going to go in that direction, obviously. You look at their secondary, getting a little bit old. Nick Saban. Patrick Sertan. <laughs> That's all I got to say right there. I think if Sertan falls here to 15, I it, it's a it's a It's an easy lock it in, Patrick Sertan, yes. for me. I don't, I don't really think it's too much of a discussion because uh, – I feel like from a mental standpoint, a guy who started as a true freshman for Nick Saban is going to be able to step into this defense and really not miss a beat from a processing standpoint because there's a lot of diverse coverages that Bill Belichick runs, and he would be the number two next to Stephon Gilmore, and he's kind of be, kind of be ingratiated into the NFL and then eventually kind of assume that number one role once Gilmore gets a little bit too old. Hopefully Gilmore has a bounce-back year because he was an absolute stud in 2019 last year with a little bit of a step down. So, And honestly, man, you look at that secondary. You have Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, who is a stud. You still have Devin McCourty, but uh, he's getting a little bit older. You drafted Kyle Duggar in the second round last year, and you have mm-hmm. Jonathan Jones as your nickel. That's, that's a really, really deep secondary right there. It is a deep secondary, and I think that they're always going to be looking to add secondary players given that they have a similar system to what we have with the Giants with Patrick Graham. They believe that pass cover play individuals who can cover the passer are more important than individuals who can rush the passer. You saw that a couple years ago when Trey Flowers had the breakout season for them. They let him walk in free agency for a massive deal with the Lions. They did not let Stephen Gilmore walk. They instead actually made him a huge free agent offering, which was at the time against anything they've done. They've made sure Devin McCourty was with them and stayed with them constant contract after contract so they i agree will continue to invest here in the secondary and i like that pick a lot for them but now i'm on the clock at number 16 overall with the arizona cardinals so i think are in a really interesting position at 16 i think that ultimately if you look at their 2020 season my first gripe would be with the coach i think cliff kinsbury sucks in general i think he's just going to say it out loud I think he's lucky to have Kyler Murray, and his in-game coaching was pathetic, but I also don't even think the system looks that good that he's brought to them. But I do think that one of the key problems outside of the coaching was the offensive line. When you watch that team, 
It just wasn't there. Justin Pugh, when he's healthy, is okay for them at guard. But he's not healthy a lot. DJ Humphreys, they re-signed. He's okay. Calvin Beecham is okay at tackle. I think here they do what I thought they would do last year at number eight overall. I thought they would take one of the big four tackles for Murray. They didn't. They went for Simmons and ultimately got a tackle later in the draft, somebody who I liked, Josh Jones, but he ultimately didn't have a huge first season. But I think here they take Christian Darisol, the offensive Ooh. tackle. Out yeah, of the Raiders are pissed right now. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and they take the offensive tackles at attack, a player who I think can ultimately immediately slide in for them and start week one. I do believe he's kind of the cutoff there. I think Jenkins might be able to do it as well. I'm a little less high on Jenkins than others, but I'll throw him in there as far as tackles go. I think here they take one of the last tackles on the board and give Murray that protection he needs. Damn. The Oakland Raiders, or the Las Vegas Raiders, yes. my friend, are a little upset right now. They were set to pick at 17, and they were really eyeing themselves some Christian Derisaw. Because right now, they're starting right tackles Brandon Parker. <laughs> and Brandon Parker is stiff as a board out there. And Colton Miller, he's developed into a nice player. Good for him yes. coming out of UCLA because his... He had a lot of athletic upside coming out of UCLA, but like we've said a couple times on the podcast, he got Josh Rosen killed several times. Yeah, I mean, like people have come back to me on that, Nick, and I'm sure this might have happened to you. You can let me know if it has, but like people have recently DM me like, you said Colton Moore was going to be burnt. Like, yeah, I did say it was a bad pick because at the time it was a bad pick because he was awful. And But as I've been proven before and I'll be proven again, the draft is a goddamn crapshoot. You can't predict these things one for one. You're not going to get all these right. And so I was wrong on his evaluation. The Raiders were correct. They thought he could develop, and he did. But let's keep in mind, by the way, even though they re-signed him, Nick, he was graded out as the 30th be- or 33rd best tackle, according to Pro Football Focus last year. So it's not like he was, according to them at least, and we don't want to go all by the stupid Pro Football Focus because we've said in the past we don't really buy into it too much. But it's not like he was a lead or anything. Yeah, no, I, I know I know what you're saying. Yeah. But uh, back to the Las Vegas Raiders. So I'm probably going to wait on tackle. I'm okay. thinking about, like, honestly, I'm thinking about going Tevin Jenkins and maybe even unsexy with someone like Liam Eikenberg. I think Tevin Jenkins fits the identity a little bit more, to be honest. But I might go with the whole, hey, this is Mike Mayock mm-hmm. looking at this. He says, this guy might have some character issues, but we can change him. And then go and just draft Micah Parsons out of Penn State. Ooh, I like that. Where'd, where'd you think I was going there? I thought you were going to go with Mayock. I thought you could, you know, you know, he's taking 70,000 Clemson, Clemson guys. Players, but yeah. like Travis Etienne. <laughs> I thought, not even Etienne. I thought you were going to go with Jeremiah Usukaramo because he's I thought also, about it. Notre Dame's played in a lot of the college football playoffs. He's a big Notre Dame guy. You know, he's a huge all college mm-hmm. football playoff guy. Like he watches mm-hmm. those college football play. Those are his biggest scouting moments, Mayock now. He yeah. like spends a lot of time. The, the, the way I look at it, and I like Jock a lot, yeah, yeah. but he's more of the linebacker safety hybrid whereas Micah Parsons if he had to be a hybrid he's more of a traditional linebacker but you can use him on the edge pretty effectively and I do believe he can kind of help the lack of pass rush there now that Yannick Ngakwe is no longer there and they have Mm. Cleveland Farrell who has not lived up to it Max Crosby who was a nice pick in what was that the fourth round back in 2019 had a little bit of a down year this year but his rookie season was phenomenal so I think Micah Parsons can really just slide in there and kind of kick Nick Kwiatkowski who they signed in the offseason of 2020 out of that middle linebacker spot and they can use uh, Kwiatkowski somewhere else oh yeah they have Yannick Ngakwe at the strong side linebacker right. yeah 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 but um, yeah and so I'm gonna add Micah Parsons there and it's gonna be a nice little Penn State addition from a Boston College guy yeah I like it I think it's an interesting play for them and then back on the clock here 
at 18 overall is the Dolphins after having already selected Jalen Waddle to add speed to that wide receiver core. Now we're back in the same position there where I honestly do believe that offensive line is still a major need for them. I just don't really necessarily know if they're going to address it early because I think that they might try to go in with Hunt and Jackson as their tackles, in which case, you know, if they're going to address the interior, it might come in the second or third round. So I'm going to have them go defense. I'm going to have them draft into the system we all know well because it's a system very similar to the one the Giants run with Patrick Graham. So I'm obviously going to be looking for players who would fit that specific system. But I think they, regardless, need to get a little bit stronger on the interior defensive line here or with at least players who can rush from the interior at times. So actually, I'm going to go with Gregory Rousseau here. I think this is where Rousseau will come off the board. I think if the Dolphins don't do it, he may last all the way into middle of day two, potentially. But I think the Dolphins are actually a team that could really use him in, as like kind of their version of like a Leonard Williams type. He's not as big as Leonard, obviously. He's not... He is close to as long as Leonard, but he's not as big as him. But he's a big boy, and he's going to grow into his frame a lot more, too. I think he's going to be able to put on 20, 30 pounds on that frame. I think he can be that kind of hybrid edge slash interior defensive line, interior pass rusher for the Dolphins that I think that system needs. I mean, they have Christian Wilkins, who's a good player, but and who can fit that role in some regard. But outside of that, their defensive line, their interior defensive line to me is looking pretty weak. So I think that's the direction they go there with an edge guy and specifically Gregory Rousseau. Love it, Dan. So NFC East rival, the football team, who hail from Washington. And honestly, since all these tackles went off the board, I wanted to give them a tackle, to be honest, like a Christian Darisol. I'm really debating on giving them Tevin Jenkins, somebody like that. But I believe Washington likes a little bit more length. And these tackles that I like right now, they don't really have that. They don't. Mm-hmm. They don't crack those those length thresholds. Both Tevin Jenkins and Liam Eikenberg have pretty short arms. So then you're looking at the Samuel Cosmies of the world. You're looking at the Alex Leatherwoods. But I, then I look at this linebacking group, and I look at the fact that Ron Rivera has had fast linebackers his time in Carolina. Back when Dave Gettleman was there, they drafted um, Shaq Thompson out of Washington, I believe it was, and they got Luke Keekley out of Boston College. I was uh, a little bit before that, uh, before Dave Gettleman's time. So I think they really want to upgrade the speed on the second level of the defense yeah. to complement that amazing pass rush that they have in the solid secondary. So I'm going to go with Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, cool. linebacker, safety, whatever you really want to use him as out of Notre Dame. And that will make for a really scary defense that the Giants are going to have to face two times a year, in my opinion. Not the, I hope they go different directions for the Giants' sake. I, I don't want him on that team. And then at number 20 overall, I'm on the board with the Bears. Weird team here, in my opinion. Just an aimless team. I feel like their direction See, of this franchise um, has been subpar for quite some time but as you look at this roster they just signed Robert Quinn to a massive deal and they have I'm sorry Khalil Mack as a massive deal so even though there are pass rushes I think can make sense here not for this team specifically I think they've also done a good job improving their secondary with Jalen Johnson last year and obviously they have Eddie Jackson Tayshawn Gibson you know and players at the second level as well so I think they're actually going to look to the offensive side of the ball here and this is where I'm going Tevin Jenkins their offensive lineman it's been a discussion among Bears fans forever that they need to improve this offensive line it's been struggling now for quite some time they got away with it during their big year when Trubisky broke out because they have a solid interior line with James Daniels and Cody White here but besides those two Charles Leno okay player at one of the tackle spots, and they got basically nothing else at the other tackle spot. So here, I think they go with Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State, the right tackle. He slots right in day one for them at right tackle and helps them in the run game, and hopefully for their sake, helps Andy Dalton stay upright. 
And that's going to be something they're going to need, which transitions us to the Indianapolis Colts, who recently acquired Carson Wentz from the Philadelphia Eagles. You have Frank Reich, offensive-minded head coach. Matt Eberflus is their defensive coordinator. He likes to run a lot of cover two concepts, a lot of zone. That's why Xavier Rhodes has been thriving there after <laughs> flaming out over there at the Minnesota Vikings. So as I kind of try to stall time to look at who I want to draft, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to look at just some of the guys Don't that pull are... a Vikings where the clock runs out and the pick goes oh, in. Remember that when gosh, we were kids? Of course I remember clock that. Clock ran out and went on to the next pick. That was incredible. It, it was very incredible. So I know uh, the general manager, Chris Ballard, really puts a lot of priority on explosive traits and length. Those are things that the Colts always seem to target. They love their... Uh, the guys with linear explosive traits, so they test really well, say, on the broad jump, the vertical jump, and they usually have mm. some sort of length threshold. So with that said, I look at their front. They have Taekwon Lewis, the guy they drafted in the second round out of uh, Ohio State. You have DeForest Buckner, incredibly long stud that you acquired from San Francisco. But I'm looking at Jalen Phillips right now, man. And Jalen Phillips is a player that has about 50th percentile arm length, over 33 inches. That's a threshold you really look for. 34 is more ideal, but he tests for an edge, about 50th percentile. Vertical jump, 81st percentile, 36 inches. 125-inch broad jump, so over 10 feet. Plus 5 inches, that's 90th percentile. And he's six foot five, 260 pounds, running a 4 Five six. So he has all the athletic traits that I feel like Chris Ballard's going to look for. He has the lower body explosiveness. He's long, and you can do so many different things with him. So I'm going to lock him in for the Colts. Jalen Phillips, yeah. edge from Miami. I like that pick for the Colts a lot here. I think that's a good spot for them. As we move forward to 21 overall, it's the Titans, who we just had Elliot Christ of FTN on, said he likes as a value bet. Titans to go defensive line first. I actually don't like that move. I think that they looked at it like we're going to address our needs in free agency so we have more of an option to go with the best player available in the draft and they did address that with bud dupree on the edge they also got janoris jenkins to kind of be that stopgap solution for losing a jackson who was kind of cut by them due to you know their cap where either where they saw a dory or their cap position it's hard to really know there so i actually have them going on the other side of the ball and i have them looking on the offensive line where they tried and failed to find an offensive lineman who could work for them last year when they selected, now the guy I'm blanking on, he's so bad, the Georgia tackle who... Isaiah Wilson. Isaiah Wilson. To try to replace Jack Conklin there, it didn't work. It was a problem for them all season. I think that was obvious for them. And if you listen to any of, you know, Titans breakdowns, you knew that was the case. And I think what they might actually try to do here is go offensive line. But at this point, all the good prospects I think that they would like here are off the board. You can maybe try to stretch into the guys like Jalen Mayfield to put right away and hope he can be a plug-and-play guy. He has some issues. Samuel Cosme, I think, shows some good signs in pass protection and projects well there, but I think he has some issues for year one. Same with Alex Leatherwood. Instead, I think they're going to look at this like we have an opportunity to take the best player available in their mind, and I think this is where we see Rashad Bateman come off the board to replace Corey Davis there. I know they signed Josh Reynolds from the Rams, a player I think was incredibly underrated this free agency period and has a lot of untapped upside. But I don't think he's someone you can fully bank on there to be your wide receiver too. And I think this offense works better with someone like Bateman who can get that quick separation off the play-action game like they're going to want to run with Henry, with, with Ryan Tannehill. So I think that this is where they go, Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver out of Minnesota. Love it, love it, dude. Rashad Bateman is now off the board. We have some receivers. I wonder if, wonder if these... uh. These other guys are going to slide in here because I feel like these are the consensus, almost consensus 
first round wide receivers yeah, right here. Right there. And this is where you get into the Rondell Moores of the world and the Terrace Marshalls and the Kadarius Tonys. I wonder what they will slide in. But they won't be sliding into the New York Jets because I hold their pick <laughs> right now. We have Robert Sala coming over, and they have this pick from the Jamal Adams trade. And I could go edge. I'm thinking about Aziz Ojolari, thinking about cornerback. You could look at the running back position. I'm not going to ultimately go there. But with this pick, I'm going to go with cornerback out of Northwestern, Greg Newsom, who can really help shore up this secondary because you have Marcus May, who I think is a nice player. He's your safety. You drafted him out of Florida. In the second round back in 2017, Ashton Davis, you got in the third round last year. And then you got Bryce Hall with a fifth-round pick in 2020 who's had a lot of injury issues throughout his career. And then Austin Blessian. <laughs> like they, they really don't have that many things going on in the secondary. And I think Greg Newsom steps up right there. He's the best player at the cornerback position right away. So I think this is a lock-it-in type of pick if Greg Newsom falls this far. I really like that pick for them as well there. I think it's a smart pick. I think it's going to ultimately help them a lot there. And then the Steelers are on the board here at 24. And again, if I'm the Jets, I'd be looking to get a um, sorry, an offensive lineman. But I think at this point, the offensive line drives up. I mean, you could try to go create Humphrey or Dickerson on the interior, but I don't know if I would do that when you got a guy like Greg Newsom on the board, who some people view as the best corner in this class. So I think you made the right call there. The Steelers here, I think it's interesting, the spot they're in, because... I think they want to find a quarterback, but they're not going to be able to do it in this class unless they trade up. I don't think they'll reach on any of the other quarterbacks that have already that are still on the board. And I think the offensive line is their biggest focus here. And this is another spot where like you would have to kind of re- like do they want to try to immediately replace what they lost with Pouncey? They tried to do it by signing Connor McGovern. I don't know if they view him as a long term solution. Maybe they go with a Creed Humphrey here. It's like that, but no. What I think they're going to actually do is re- try to replace what they lost with Bud Dupree and get an edge rusher who they believe here can be one of the top players. And I'm going to put them with Aziz Ojolari here, actually, who I think can kind of they're going to try to have fit in similar to Bud Dupree, who, by the way, when he came in to the NFL, was also kind of viewed as like somebody who has to kind of hybrid, a type of hybrid linebacker slash edge who's going to have to convert and learn. And, and eventually he did play well within that Steelers system. And I think Ojolari can do something very similar for them here. And so I have Ojolari going to the Steelers here. Ooh, I think there was a lot of different ways we could have went. I like yeah. that, though. I mean, you need to replace Bud Dupree. And now, what better way to come into the NFL than to have everybody on the offense pay attention to TJ Watt so you can get one-on-ones and win with your stab, rip, oh. dip move that he has. So that's great. That's a great landing spot for Aziz Ojolari. And that brings us to the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> at the 25th pick. I, think. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, I just slipped it in there. I just slipped it in. <laughs> and there are uh, there are still some top guys with injury concerns who are on the board. If we reassess, we still have Caleb Farley on the board who is sliding down. That's because of the back issues. Last year, Jags drafted uh, C.J. Henderson in the top 10 out of Florida. He had an up-and-down year. They also have Sidney Jones who had a kind of a reclamation year after yeah, being weirdly. released. Yeah, after being released from the Philadelphia Eagles. And then the other top guys, I would say, that are that are around right now are Travis Etienne. I think that's that's an interesting option here just because you have Trevor Lawrence, you want to make him comfortable, you bring in Travis Etienne, but I'm not necessarily probably going to go in that direction. You have all the running backs. you got the Zayvon Collins of the world. And then you have TCU safety Trevon Morick. And I think this is somebody who... I haven't done an extensive amount of work on the safety class, but everything I've seen from this kid is he has basically everything except for like the ideal type of size that I feel yeah. like a lot of people talk about. But just from a ball skill standpoint... From a run support standpoint, from a range standpoint, he's exactly what you want. What better way to kind of help sure up 
your secondary, help C.J. Henderson, help all these other young corners that you're having to bring in a Trevon Morig. So that's where I'm going to go. I like that pick a lot there for them. I think it's one of the team, like Elliot said during our podcast with him, advising us on gambling on the draft. Like, don't try to pin a player to a team. But this is like, and I did that last year with Xavier McKinney of the Cowboys. I thought that was going to be almost a lock. And obviously, I've read since that it could have happened if CeeDee Lamb didn't fall. So I kind of got unlucky there. But I'm not going to try to pin a prospect and player again like this to a team. But I think Morig is probably one of the likelier players to go to the Jaguars at that pick. It just seems like a nice fit. But for me here, at 25 overall, I'm in an interesting spot because I'm the— I'm sorry, 26 overall. I'm in an interesting spot because I'm the Browns. And the Browns don't really have a single roster hole when I look at it. I mean, like, there's only one roster hole I can think of, which is going to be the position I ultimately end up taking here because it's also a player I think can be viewed as potentially one of the top picks in this class because they've already assured up their offensive line. That's unbelievable. They have one of the best running backs in the NFL. I think he's the best running back in the NFL, Nick Chubb. They also have Kareem Hunt behind him. On defense, they just signed Clowney to go along with Miles Garrett. Andrew Billick, a really nice deep line. They have good corners with Denzel Ward, when healthy at least. Grant Delpit, they hope, will come back and help them. They just signed Troy Hill and John Johnson from the Rams, two really good players for that secondary. They're loaded there. They could consider receiver with the idea of, like, we'll cut Odell next year and we may cut Landry soon because he's also kind of paid a lot, and we'll try to move forward here with a receiver we draft here, Donovan Peoples-Jones, something of that nature. I think it's possible, but ultimately here, I'm going to go with the position I think is the greatest need and a player I think fits fine here, and that's Jamon Davis from Kentucky. I don't know if Jamin or Jamon. don't know if I've pronounced it. it's Jamin. Davis. Yeah. Um, he's shooting up draft boards, Jamin Davis, because a lot of people are starting to kind of correlate him to this year's version of Darius Leonard. For those of you who don't remember, Darius Leonard, the Colts selected him. Really huge surprise when they selected him in the top of second round of the 2018 draft class, the one where the Giants got Barkley and Hernandez. Most people viewed him as a day three pick just because of his size. Ultimately, he ended up winning defensive rookie of the year and revolutionized kind of what people are looking for in that off-ball linebacker position. Now a player like Davis, who would normally be undersized and considered maybe Someone you can't take in round one. I think a lot of teams are considering in this late round one spot. And I think the Browns land a really good off-ball linebacker prospect here. Jamin has been one of the darlings of people who started grinding the film and realizing his athletic potential. I don't think everything's quite there yet on his film. He hasn't been a full-time player all that much. But there's definitely a lot of upside with a player like Jamin Davis. So that's a really good fit. And now we're at the Baltimore Ravens. So... They get to watch Jamin Davis go to the Browns, but the Ravens are going to be happy because the linebacker that they want, Zayvon Collins, is still there. And they're going to go with the linebacker to Tulsa, Zayvon Collins. And I honestly put real thought into going Christian Barmore and having an interior defensive lineman actually come off the board here. They have Brandon Williams, who is just a big, solid nose technique, totally different type of player from a Christian Barmore. You have Calais Campbell. You know they love big athletic guys who can shoot gaps, but they drafted Justin Matabuke out of Texas A&M last year in the third round. He's similar in that light, only Barmore is much more dynamic, I would say. And I don't know, Matabuke does have some really interesting agilities, at least on his tape. I'm not really 100% sure how he tested, but I think Zayvon Collins can kind of step in here, play next to Patrick Queen. I think Malik Harrison can still be on the field along with LJ Fort, but I think you can put him on the edge a little bit more, Zayvon Collins, Mm -hmm. and he can kind of help 
take over the role of Matt Judon, who left, along with Pernell McPhee, who's in his, I believe, his last year of his contract, and Tyus Bowler, who's on that roster. So I think Zayvon Collins will end up kind of taking over their roles as the years go on, and he'll be in a bit role early on, but he's still a very effective player you can do a lot of different things with. I think Wick Martindale will really like that Ravens defensive coordinator. So I'm going to go with Zayvon there. I like that call a lot here. And then as we move forward, we're looking at number 28 overall pick with New Orleans Saints, another roster that doesn't need much help, doesn't seem to need any help on the offensive line. The two positions I view here, considering quarterback won't really be a possibility, are wide receiver and cornerback. Wide receiver, you think, well, they could use more weapons outside of Michael Thomas for sure, but on the flip side, they got Michael Thomas with a second-round pick, and they're not a team that notoriously uses early picks on the skill players. Do I think Elijah Moore could be an unbelievable fit here in that system with Sean Payton? Yes, but at the same time, I'm going to have them go with a cornerback here because I think they let Janoris Jenkins go. There's been rumors they're not going to be able to afford Mar- Marshawn Latimer past this year. Obviously, Patrick Robinson is still playing well for them, but he was drafted in 2010. He's getting older. He, that cliff could fall off, off at any time for Patrick Robinson. So I think they replenish here in the secondary. Sitting on the board as a glaring player would be... Um, Caleb Farley, but I actually am going to have them pass on Caleb Farley here. I'm going to have them go with Asante Samuel Jr., a player who I think is incredibly underrated. We did his draft profile way early in the process, and I thought he was one of the better corners that I've seen. I think a lot of people, a lot of the things people say about Newsom, I think, can be applied to Samuel. He doesn't have all the measurables. He doesn't have the perfect length and size. He's not the most physical corner or the, the, the strongest corner, but I think he's going to fit well there in man coverage. They like to run a lot, and I think he's going to be a nice fit immediately for him and I actually think he's going to be a really good NFL player Sunday Samuel one of the, I think it'll be well worth a first round pick yeah if he wasn't 5'9 I think we'd be yes. talking about him more but again like as people always say when you make that comparison well if my aunt had hair on her back she'd be my <laughs> uncle so uh, but I do I do agree I think he's a very talented player if my aunt had hair on her back she'd be my uncle you never heard that before I'm pretty sure it's my aunt had hair on her balls no it's her back I'm pretty sure. Let's get some listeners to weigh in on this. It's if my aunt had hair on her well, balls. The person who oh, no, an aunt can't have hair on her. She doesn't have balls. Ah, I fucked this up. It's, damn it. <laughs> but I, but I could still like. I mean, you're, you're speaking in hypotheticals, so I mean, uh, maybe no, in that no, world no, they no, had I'm balls. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. This was a. Disaster. I was trying. I was trying to help you out, bro. Uh, but okay, so we're at the Green Bay Packers, and honestly, I think there's a lot of directions now. You can go quarterback, obviously, because they have Jordan. No, I'm just joking. But <laughs> you can go running back because AJ done it. No, I'm just joking. But seriously, um, I think you can look at the defensive line. You have Kenny Clark there. He's a stud. I think you can look at those base ends that they like. And I think Boogie Basham really makes sense for them. Carlos Basham, the kid out of Wake Forest. But I don't believe I'm going to go in that direction. You always look at wide receiver. You know, oh, you got to get Aaron Rodgers, the wide receivers. I don't think I'm going to go in that direction either. But you did lose Corey Lindsley to the Los Angeles Chargers. And you can slide Elton Jenkins there, who's an absolute stud. But he's also natural at guard. So you can kick Jenkins back to guard and then bring in Creed Humphrey. And Creed Humphrey can be your center. So that's what I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Oklahoma Center, Creed Humphrey. Love that pick. And it's so Packers-like to not let that offensive line sit. You look at this team, and when they've lost offensive linemen, they immediately have replaced. They took Elgin Jenkins. Incredible pick by them. They took him in the middle... What Will what Elton Jenkins is is what Will Hernandez should have damn been. Oh, it's so painful. Like they so got painful. Elton Jenkins around the same spot the Giants got Will Hernandez, and Elton Jenkins has been unbelievable on the interior versus Hernandez, who's a Jag. And it's like 
even going into that, you looked at those two prospects, and honestly, most if you ask most NFL scouts, I bet you they would have said Hernandez was going to be a better player. Probably. I, I know a lot of people were. A I lot mean, of people were They were different high. draft classes. But, different classes, but I think yeah. a lot of people viewed Hernandez as a locked-in first-round prospect. And Jenkins, I thought, I saw more of, like, borderline one-two. Mm, yeah. And he's been the way better player, so it's just Packers, again, winning on the line. But I agree with that pick. I like that pick. At 30 overall here, with the third-to-last pick of the first round, it's the Buffalo Bills here, who are in a really good spot. They had, obviously, a borderline Super Bowl roster, almost made it, AFC Championship game. They're looking to take that next, next step now with the Josh Allen team. And so they have a lot of options here. But I'm going to have them go with a pass rusher here because they obviously selected A.J. Empanessa last year. And for those of you who don't remember, A.J. Empanessa was subject of my uh, my Twitter beef with Paul Dottino. For those of you who don't know about the Twitter beef, hit me up and I'll send you some screenshots and some links. I'm not going to go over it again, but FNS ended up being an awful player for the Bills in year one, which is not to say he's going to be a bad player. He's a much better fit yeah. for that system than the Giants anyway. Yeah, they actually had him, they had him cut like massive weight too. So they just yeah. had him totally change his change body, his body condition, uh, I never composition liked. and everything like that. Yeah. I, I got to be honest, though. He just struck me as so much like one of those next Cleveland Farrell types that just good in college, but it doesn't translate tools-wise. And he might be an okay player for them, but I don't think they feel like they're settled at edge there after that pick at all. And he didn't play many snaps either for them, which is not a good sign. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Considering they needed somebody opposite of Jerry Hughes. So now that they need someone opposite of Jerry Hughes, I'm going to have them take someone opposite Jerry Hughes here. And I'm going to have them go with Boogie Basham, the player you discussed, I think, they can view it as a situation where they run a system where he can play on the edge. Maybe he can be what they had hoped A.J. Epinesa could be. I think he's a better player than Epinesa, a better prospect. And he can kick inside and rush the passer from the interior on some third down. So I'm going with Carlos Basham out of Wake Forest here for the Bills. Nice, man. I like that uh, when it comes to his skill set. I feel like not a lot of people have talked about him as a first-round pick. And he might ultimately not go in the first round, but yeah. if he does, I don't feel like people should be surprised. And I have a similar feeling about Creed Humphrey. A lot of people refer to him as a second-round pick, but and ultimately he probably will go in the second round. But if he ends up in the first, I'm going to be like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, Because he's I a good agree. football player. You know, a good football player. Like Boogie Basham, I don't think the guy like ever missed a snap. The guy was like always on the field. He played like 80 snaps a game. It was, you know. And he has a nice frame. Like he's a really good oh, frame big. for the, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a big player for sure. Big guy. Alrighty, so we're back with the Baltimore Ravens since the trade with the Kansas City Chiefs. Blockbuster. And yes, yes. And honestly, it's a trade, Dan, that I feel like both both teams got what they needed. I think the Chiefs are the bigger winners here. Okay. I don't think the Ravens wanted to have to trade a young no, offensive tackle. Absolutely not, but they the, it was out there that I know. all their leverage was gone. They lost all And they still got a one. So that's, that's Based why on all that, great. I don't think they got screwed. I agree with you. Yeah. I, from that standpoint, the value part, I'm with you. I just think they are the net losers here because they're yeah. not at 31 overall. They're not likely to find another um, Orlando, Brown. Brown, Orlando Brown Jr. Like you might hit, but you're not, like it's not easy to hit on players, especially offensive linemen. It's so hard to hit offensive tackles, and it sucked because, like he said, like they had no leverage. He he said, "I'm only playing left tackle for whatever reason." Like, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, and honestly, when that happened, I was like, Ooh, "This might not be good for the Ravens because people are like, yeah. dude, like we we know he doesn't want to play for you.' So, but right." Good for the Chiefs. Like, yeah, we're a little bit desperate. And you got to look at the Chiefs, too. Applaud them a little bit, man. Got I Kyle did, Long. Yeah. Got Orlando Brown. And then you and, uh, Joe and Joe Dooney. Yeah, that's that's a revamp of your <laughs> offensive line that you really desperately needed. And we're replacing uh, – we're, we're going to replace Orlando Brown right now. And as much as I would like to go I with like that. guys that I like, like Liam Eikenberg, I don't believe that meshes with exactly what they want. They want someone gigantic, someone with vines for arms. So I'm going to go mm-hmm. with Samuel Cosme here. I wish he was a little bit more – 
uh, flexible in his lower half, mm-hmm. but I still believe just the tools, the sheer fact that he's like almost six foot eight, over three hundred yeah. pounds, and can punch. Definitely needs refinement. Definitely not a technically sound tackle yet. It's a little bit raw, but I believe going to Baltimore with that coaching staff, he can get that. So I'm going to go with Cosme here. I like Cosme a lot. I think he's a little bit better than people give him credit for. He may not be that great run blocker at any point, but in some systems, I think he can be a fine run blocker, specifically zone based systems and he reminds me a lot coming out of actually Nate Solder when Nate Solder came out of Colorado I think they're similar prospects from what I've seen just from the build from some of the things that even you just discussed how it's kind of the lower half doesn't have ultimately that much strength but pretty solid bend in my opinion for someone who's almost 6'8 just as Solder was so overall pretty smooth I think as well footwork wise for someone that size so I, I like that pick a lot and I'll close out the first round with the easiest luxury I mean this is literally the luxury spot of the first round the Bucks can do anything they want here their roster is so good I mean I look at that roster and like yeah you can always approve your offensive line here but I don't really like any offensive linemen available I'm going full luxury here and not to the sense of I'm going running back because I don't think they're going to invest there especially after signing Gio Bernard to play that role there. I'm going to go with Elijah Moore, one of my favorite players in this draft class, a player who I think deserves to be a first-round pick, and I'm going to be really happy. Well, I'm not going to be happy because I want the Giants to get him, but I guess if the Giants go receiver round one, like in our mock, I'll be happy with him going anywhere before the Giants pick at 42 because I know they're not going to go receiver-receiver, as they shouldn't. So I'll be happy for him if he goes here. I think he ultimately replaces Antonio Brown right away. Yeah, they have Tyler Johnson, who's shown some obvious upside, but he's not Elijah Moore. He's not anything like Elijah Moore. And I think Elijah Moore in this vertically attacking Aryan system could be so fun on those vertical routes, on those double moves with Brady. If he gets on the same page, I think they can motion him into the backfield and Brady can dump him the ball and design dump offs and design quick hitters. I just think there's so much upside for that offense by adding him here. So I'm going Elijah Moore here at 32 to the Bucks. No, and that that wraps up the first round, dude. Why don't you recap it for us, Nick? Throw it back. Okay, Jaguars, first pick, Trevor Lawrence. Second pick, Jets, Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. Third pick, 49ers, Mac Jones, quarterback, Alabama. Fourth, Falcons, Trey Lance, quarterback, NDSU. Five, Bengals, Jamar Chase, LSU wide receiver. Six, Dolphins, Jalen Waddle. They should know the positions in this. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Seven, Lions get Penne Suo. Eight, Carolina, Rashawn Slater. Nine, Broncos get Justin Fields to replace Drew Locke. Ten, Kyle Pitts. And every Giant fan goes, damn it. But then the Giants are sitting there at 11, and they go with Devonta Smith to kind of pair with Daniel Jones for uh, the rest of his contract and Kenny Galladay and this offense is looking really good let's hope Jason Garrett can figure it all out then at 12 the Eagles go JC Horn 13 Chargers go Elijah Vera Tucker 14 Vikings Quiddy Pay 15 Patriots Patrick Sertan 16 Cardinals Christian Darisol 17 Raiders Micah Parsons 18 Dolphins Gregory Rousseau Washington goes with Jeremiah Wusu Kormo at 19 and then 20 is Tevin Jenkins for Chicago 21 Colts, Jalen Phillips, 22, Titans, Rashad Bateman, 23, Jets, Greg Newsom, 24, Pittsburgh goes with the Z's Ojalari. One of my one of my guys, but you know, he's gone now. Twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Giants are not gonna get him in the second round anyway. That's just pie in the sky type stuff. Twenty-five, Jaguars go with Trevon Morig. Twenty-six, Browns go with Jamin Davis. Twenty-seven, Ravens go Zaven Collins. Twenty-eight, Saints, Asante Samuel Jr. Twenty-nine, Green Bay, Creed, Humphrey, thirty, Buffalo, Carlos, Boogie Basham, thirty-one, Baltimore, Samuel Cosme, and thirty-two. Elijah Moore to the Buccaneers. Let's go over who is uh, still on the board. Oh, who, who's there for that As second day? We go day. into pick 42. The Giants already have a wide receiver. 
So Landon Dickerson's still on the board. I think he's going to be atop their list. Yep, Caleb Farley. Caleb is... Farley. Wow, Caleb Farley's fallen. Yes, he definitely Terrace Marshall, another potential injury faller. Every running back is still on the board. Yes. And they would start coming. I'm imagining the Jets would invest in the running back position. Mm, not with Joe Douglas, I don't think. You don't think so? No. They're just my guess. I don't Who's think Who's their running Douglas back right going. now? Like, I don't Kip, think he's going to ever. The Michael P. Ryan? I, they don't have anyone at running back <laughs> right now, but I don't think Joe Douglas as a GM will ever invest a high pick on a running back. Oh, I mean, who knows? Uh, yeah, you never know. The receivers, Rondell Moore, the kid from Florida, yes. Darius Tony, Diami Brown from North Carolina, Jalen Mayfield, the tackle from Michigan, Jason, Jason Owa. There's, there's, there's a lot there's of talent, talent still. Yeah, the you Giants know, could be in a good spot. I don't think we had any huge shockers fall out, did we? No, I mean, Caleb Farley would probably be the biggest shocker, but that's injury-based. And Terrace Marshall, borderline anyway, but we've been hearing injuries will drop him potentially. Other than that, no real shockers. I mean, even edge you saw most of the good edges come off the ball some people say joe tryon's moving up boards he may mm. be a pick we didn't have him in our mock no i mean yeah joe tryon's like if you're looking for somebody with like the montez sweat mm. prototype of just length and explosiveness but maybe not everything on film quite yet and wish you saw him in 2020 but he was an opt-out and, then, right. and a lot of people are saying you know don't be surprised if these opt-outs fall and i wonder if that's like even getting to the penne sewells and, and the freaking rashawn slaters of the world yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if it'll reach I don't, that yeah. high. I don't, I don't think it should, but I, yeah. I would love it. Yeah, especially <laughs> if the Giants actually did take one of those two. I'd be in love with that as well. All right, thanks everybody for tuning in to the Big Blue Banter first round mock draft. As always, please do us a favor. Head over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating and review. We would love you if you do that. If you ask us a question in that review, we'll make sure to read that question as part of your review. We're up to 546 ratings there. We got a lot of good ones coming in, so I really do appreciate that from everyone. Sad Giants fan who just uh, dropped one. DC Park, who's an Eagles fan but wants to scope out the competition, has learned a lot about draft prospects. A lot of good stuff here in these reviews. And please, please do us a favor. Head over to Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at NYBigBlueBanter. Please follow our YouTube page, Big Blue Banter on YouTube. That's the most important thing you can do to help us grow right now. Follow our YouTube page. Help us get that thing underway. We're learning on the fly, so we need your help. And then lastly, as always, join us Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, on the Locker Room app for a live Q&A show. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week, and we'll be talking to you very soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.